In today's episode, we talked to Carol Thompson, who, against all odds, really started and has built and maintained a very successful direct sales business. Her story is extremely interesting. She's really had to face all sorts of obstacles to get where she is today. And when she started with it, she really had no vision for where it would take her. And she's really built on that step-by-step through uh, building a great team, using her innate skills, and finding the things that she's passionate about. There's lots to learn from Carol, not just for a direct sales business, for for any business. But if you're thinking about direct sales, it's definitely uh, a place to start to get inspired. I hope you enjoy it. I'm not wearing makeup. Yeah, do you think that personally offends me? I, I feel feel you may have a misconception of me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Carol, welcome to Hi. my Facebook talk show that has uh, been going on now for about six weeks. So happy to have you. It's great to be here. I'm excited. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. Well, it'll just be like a conversation, which yeah. we've had in the past. So, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I think the people that watch these uh, videos, they love to... Uh, hear stories they love to see themselves in your story but they also love to learn and so i thought you'd be a really great person for that because you kind of have that all wrapped up in in one so carol to get started why don't we just talk about how you got to where you are today because you have kind of a not a crazy story because it's It's a little crazy i'm sure that it's it is a well maybe but i'm it's super (laughs) relatable i think in a lot of ways and it's very aspirational at the same time so um so right now you do direct sales with Mary Kay, right? Yeah. Now what's what kind of gets me about your story is like if I told if I told anybody that I know someone who moved to a brand new community um, where they didn't know anybody and they started doing direct sales and in a very short period of time built a you know award winning team, they'd say that never happens. That does not happen in real life. Those stories are made up by these these companies to trick you into getting involved. And I'm like, no, I've actually seen it happen. So the thing is though, is you didn't start out here, did you? You didn't start out with this passion for what you're doing right now. No. You started out in a completely different area, right? Yeah, I was a teacher. So we went to high school together and I uh, did you know what a lot of kids do and thought, well, I really like to teach. And so that is obviously the only choice. Yeah. With, you know, I mean, we were raised in an environment and I like to think that our children are raised in a different one, but where it was like teacher, doctor, lawyer, you know, you like to argue, you should be a lawyer. You have no grades in social studies or language arts, but you'll be great at that. Right. Like things like that. Or you like animals. You have to be a vet. Um, So uh, I was raised in that environment. I went straight into university right after graduating and uh, got my degree, started teaching, got my master's degree, you know, did all that stuff, did everything I was supposed to do. And then um, what I did not know is that my husband during my maternity leaves had uh, been paying for our credit cards with our credit line and our credit line with our credit cards. And I didn't have any control over the finances. So not because I didn't want control, not because he wouldn't give it to me, but because I just didn't, couldn't be bothered. And so I, I was running a jewelry business. I was making jewelry and selling it at the farmer's market while I was on maternity leave just for some fun. Um, That's actually where I met Sandra who's on right now. And, uh, and kind of really liking that. Like I liked running my own business, doing all of those things that didn't so much like the bookkeeping part of it. Didn't so much like, you know, keeping track of the money. And I just sort of wrecked up money and you know when you're on maternity leave and you think you're making the same amount you're really not right and um so then when we decided to move from grand prairie to um calgary area because we were following my parents that's when we discovered that actually we were a lot in debt like not just a little bit a lot and uh we actually lived like chris farley says in a van down by the river we lived <laughs> right. Seventy-six travel air trailer um, yep. in a campground well after camping season was over um, because wow. it was the cheapest thing to rent and uh, we got cable which was bizarre and um, with a two-year-old and a four-year-old so when we actually were able to purchase our house and of course Grand Prairie's market tanked at that time so we lost a ton of money on our home and all of those things and we were hundred and thirty thousand dollars in personal debt mm-hmm. and it was 
disgusting and horrible. And then I got audited for that jewelry business to the tune of $30,000. So that's really fun. And I couldn't find a permanent teaching job because I cost the same as three teachers because of the master's degree and the tenure, which I get, I really do. So I was just running, like I was doing maternity leave contracts, things like that, paying more for daycare than I was making in an effort to, you know, do what you're supposed to do and put down roots and, and be able to be the person who does what yeah, to gets into the school board. And then I just decided that was it. I was enough was enough. I had taught for this long. I'm sure I could run a daycare. Right. Mm-hmm. I like my kids. So I'm sure I'll let other children. Anyway, so I started that and I was making jewelry on Etsy. I was tutoring three nights a week. I had a three and five year old at that time. And I was going to take a couponing class. And then my friend who had just restarted in Mary Kay said, well, just like, have you ever just thought about making more money instead of trying to save more? And I totally freaked out on her and did what, you know, the misconceptions are like, I had been buying it for a long time, but I didn't have any major uh, personal relationships with people who had been super successful. I knew people who made extra money, but I didn't really see anybody who had, you know, done huge things. And I was like, yeah, cool. Good for you. But I'm not. Yeah, so I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to throw my pension away. And I'm not going to, you know, all of these things. So she asked me actually to be the most stubborn and obstinate interview that she's possibly had. And uh, by the end of the night, I was in. So it was, um, it was in 2010 that I started and in a year, I'd replaced my teaching income and earned a car and yeah. was able to give up the daycare. And I think it's funny how when you say I don't know very many people who do this, I say I know tons of people who do this. Right. Because it's our perspectives. Right. Yeah. I have a ton of six figure income earners. I have a ton of millionaire friends. I have a ton of people in direct sales that do huge amounts with their teams, yeah. like four or five million dollars with their teams. And so my perspective is a little bit different. True. And I mean, that step of you actually stepping into this, I mean, what it what was it, a hundred dollars to buy in or or dollars yeah, at the time? And I had $135 available on one credit card that the bank had not taken when we bought our house. So we were actually living on two hundred dollars a month for gas and groceries. That was it. That was all that was left after consolidating everything. So they didn't mm-hmm. want to go bankrupt. So it was two hundred dollars, and I had this one little credit card that I U of A called me and wanted me to buy to get this credit card and it was this tiny little limit and I thought whatever and it didn't end up showing up on the report so I just froze it I put it in the freezer and I had to defrost it to pay for my starter kit my husband didn't speak to me for two straight weeks by the way and then uh and then I went to training the next day and it was in a hotel I had to park in the hotel and we were living on so little money so I would spend a hundred dollars on a big grocery shop and then we had gas gift cards left over from our credit cards from the points that Mm -hmm. I you know if you just buy it on points it's you get the points Mm -hmm. right it's like when people say well it's you know it's a write-off that doesn't make you free no. Anyway, <laughs> I had all these gas gift cards that week. So I had spent $100 on um, the big bulk buy. And then I had $25 in envelopes for um, the fresh produce for the week. And I had to pay that to leave the parking lot. Um, oh. And I cried the whole way home because I was like, what are you doing? You are such an idiot. You just spent all this money and that you don't have to yeah. start another business with time you don't have. Yeah. And what the heck is going to happen? And honestly, Jen, when I first started, I had no intention of um, doing this as a career or um, replacing my teaching income or anything else. I was down to like double my grocery budget. That's it. I thought, you know, okay, fine. Maybe not a lot of people are successful, but there are sure as heck a ton of people who can say they make 200 to 500 extra dollars a month. And that's right. all I, that's it. That's all I bought into. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that's part of the issue when people get started on this? They don't really understand that this this doesn't just come to you. Like you're not just going to call up your friends and family and create an income. You do actually have to be good at like get better at sales. I shouldn't say you have to be good going yeah. into it. You have to have a willingness to learn the, the sales side, the, the administration side, the marketing side. Like it is a like 
it's a real business, right? It is a real business. You don't get very much credit for the fact that it is as hard as what a lot of people do in a real business. Well, it's kind of funny because I actually was really nervous to do this today because I have been in part of a lot of entrepreneur groups where they find out what I do and then say, but that's not a real business. Right. You didn't have to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I was making a salary first thing. Yeah. Because I don't have to create my product. I don't have to create the marketing. I don't have to do any of that. And I get free training all the way through, whereas a lot of my entrepreneur friends have to pay for that. And I don't. And so um, just because that makes it somewhat easier doesn't necessarily make it easier. There's a lot of misconceptions involved. Um, And you're right. I think that people think that sales is a natural talent. Mm-hmm. And and I agree because I think every two year old has a natural sales person ability. I mean, try saying no to a two year old. Um, but I think we learn how to grow out of that. And I think we have this uh, misconception that salespeople are like, uh, this is going to date me, but like Herb Tarlick and WKRP, you know, with that like polyester suit and. Yeah that concept of, of pushing people into things or talking them into stuff. And I, I had to learn a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. Um, and I, the, the one thing that I can say for it with absolute certainty, even if I had never made any money in this is I have not in 10 years been bored. Hmm. Not once. And that is something I cannot say in my teaching career or anywhere else. Well, and I kind of see this as like the perfect storm of things for you, because what I've seen evolve is, you know, certainly, you know, I'm selling Mary Kay, this is what I'm doing, support me if you want, like, you're not real pushy about it, but you make sure it's available. But then there was a moment where it went from doing that to actually building these team, this team, Mm -hmm. and educating and teaching. And then it's when it's almost like that's when I saw it just go like, yes. Right. Because yeah. you kind of tapped into what you loved about teaching, but applied it to what you're doing now. Right. Right. Like I became a teacher for my Dead Poets Society moments, you know, those those big life altering moments. And it's funny because as a teacher, I think uh, if any teachers or former teachers are watching, I think you maybe get one or two of those a year. And mm-hmm. I loved teaching. I honestly, if you had asked me at any point in time when I was teaching, even during the struggle, when I was trying to find a job, I would not have said I didn't love it because I did. Um, yeah. I didn't necessarily love the admin part. I didn't love 7 a.m. meetings. I didn't love those things or the micro control of some administrators, things like that. But I definitely loved the autonomy of the classroom and working with children to be, uh, especially teenagers, you know, they're on that cusp. Um, yeah. So I loved that, but I really... Uh, you're right. When I started building a team and started training them and realizing that by changing their lives, I could change their children's lives and create legacies within their homes. Um, mm-hmm. That became something that was really powerful for me. So um, I don't just teach how to sell makeup or how to sell skincare. I teach a lot about self-growth and a lot about knowing yourself and how to work with what you have and then how to increase your natural ability and natural aptitude. Like some people have natural bookkeeping abilities or paperwork, I don't so much. So I had to learn all that and and I've learned it the hard way. And so then I, I always say that when people say, but you're naturally extroverted or you're naturally, which I'm not, by the way, I am um, an introvert, I'm ambiverted in uh, so many ways, but I, I had to learn how to really relate to people and how to tr- let them trust me. Yeah. with everything, right? It, whether they're trusting me because they're joining my team or trusting me because I'm, you know, giving them skincare and makeup advice. And really, that's not so much different than what a business owner who has staff would do, mm-hmm. but probably doesn't necessarily take the time to do it because you are dealing with so many uh, often other, you know, priorities and, you know, staff meetings and, and you know, inter- internal training sessions don't really take a priority. But what I found is, especially through what you're doing, and I would say generally through almost every single direct sales company, that training portion, they obsess over it. Like yeah. it, there's so much training available, but then also if the person that's above you it is nurturing you and coaching you and developing you, gosh, you like you're the most professionally developed person around potentially, right? Yeah. And like, some people are just in this business for a little while and then they go on and do other things with the training that they were given in here. So one of the things that I hate hearing about direct sales is, Oh, but they don't do that anymore. So what 
I mean, really, mm -hmm. this is not a large investment. If, if you know anyone who runs a business or owns a store or anything else, that's a lot of money to be yeah. putting on the line. And then um, for $125 or $85 or whatever this kit is at the time, it's 24 bucks right now. What the investment is, is, I mean, if you got nothing out of it except for the training, yeah, then it would yeah. be worth it because we know how much those personal development classes cost. Yeah. So you've been doing this for about 10 years now. When did you start to, like, like you said, within the first year, you started to get kind of on the right side of the income. You got, you, you qualified for some of the rewards that mm -hmm. another thing that direct sales companies are great for is rewarding people within yeah. their organization, I would say. Um, when did you, when did it kind of switch for you? Like what kind, like you started, I noticed like there, there became a point where the, I wouldn't say the pinnacle, because I don't think you've reached the pinnacle yet. Cause it kind of ebbs and flows a bit, but you were recognized at a national level for, for what your group is doing. How long did it kind of take before that sort of happened or before you got out of personal debt? Like what was that timeline for like? Um, for oh, well we got out of personal debt in 2015. So that was five years after I started um, completely wiped it out except for our mortgage um okay. but that's the next thing and um uh, and in 2015 i was number two in canada for personal like for our entire group sales um okay. and number two in personal sales and then in number in 2016 i my team was number one in canada so um yeah it was really like i think I think it's always just in anything, there's a catalyst in the decision. So mm -hmm. in the beginning, like I said, I just wanted to double the grocery budget. And then it sort of, um, I just did what I was told, which is hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. I used to have to write, be too dumb to doubt, stay off the Reddit blog, stay off all the things that say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is pushy or whatever, and just do exactly what I'd been trained to do and what, you know, it had been working for 50 years and just follow the model. So yeah. I just decided that one day I decided that was it. I was going to follow the model and see what happened. Yeah. And then I could always choose to step back from that. So my original plan was I was going to become a sales director, which means having a team and then earn a car. And then I would go back to teaching when my kids were old enough. And then I just didn't so much do that because <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I worked a full-time job doing this since I started. And so it's like, uh, you know, and as a teacher, I was working probably a job and a half at least. So I, I think I think the major decision maker for me was when I decided to homeschool my kids in 2012, because it was like, do I in, in my head at that time or 2011? Sorry. And that in my head at that time, do I give up my business in order to do this? Like, right. and that's what I kind of thought was going to happen is I would not have to give it up, maybe, but just plateau just yeah. for a little while. Yeah. And then. And then because I had less time to work with, then I was just much more um, uh, about the time that I had and my business soared. I earned Cadillacs and I earned my top director trips and all of those things. So it it was like, okay, I get this now. I really get this now. And it's now it's just been on the steady kind of trajectory. It's not, uh, it's not a COVID graph. It's not no. this, but it's not straight up. Yeah. There's lots of times that it's been tough and there's lots of times that um, that it's been stressful. There's one time I wanted to quit just once. Just once? Ten years. Yeah, I almost, the meat guys came to the house, you know, the ones that sell meat out of the freezer van and they were like, you'd be good at this. And I'm like, yeah, I would. I could sell the crap out of meat. I'm just going to go sell meat. Because, you know, I mean, I work with women. And yeah. I love women and I'm a champion of women, but sometimes there's drama and I just had had enough. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. And, yeah. sell meat. and Scott's like, I'm sure they don't give you a Cadillac for selling meat. Like, do you really want to sit with Matt, the meat guy in the truck for eight hours a day? No. Well, no, because it's given you freedom, hasn't it? Yeah. Like you make, you get to choose what you spend your time on. If you choose to work extra hard to develop your business, you can, but you've also been given the freedom to do that in the evening, at the night, on the weekends, in the morning, whatever. And then your family choices stem from that and what's important to your family. I think everybody would like to think that they have the freedom to choose to a certain extent, right? Whereas a lot of, a lot of people feel like even, and I would say entrepreneurs, you know, as someone who has been through periods of working 14 hours a day and having my kids fall asleep on my office chairs while I'm trying to finish something for a customer, like, and then thinking, how is this freedom? Like, I, I remember I know, thinking, right? Right? Like the, the biggest thing about owning your business, your own business, the biggest drawback to owning your own business is that you can make your own hours. 
And the biggest yeah. perk of it is that you can make your own hours. And there are times that I have to be really careful not to get hyper fixated on my job because I love it so much. And mm -hmm. entrepreneurs are like this, right? I mean, when I'm not working, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, it's no, become it's permeated every pore of my life. And so I get that. I really get that. And I love the word harmony when we're talking about things like this instead of balance, because mm -hmm. balance implies that something has one more weight than another. But harmony means like in a band, sometimes one note plays for a little longer than something else or one section plays yeah. a little longer. And yet if it stays like that, it's just noise. Yeah. So in no. June, when we're finishing our year end goals, my kids eat cereal for dinner. And there was one year that Anna was like, I think the year we were finishing Queen, she's like, we have a vegetable for dinner. I'm like, listen, you got pineapple on your pizza. You're not getting scurvy. There's a banana. Go. Like, <laughs> yeah. But then other times, then in the summertime, when it's, well, it won't be Stampede this year, but we spend, I spend two weeks taking it all off for Stampede and we go every day. So there's, there's harmony to be found there. Yeah. And, and I, I would imagine when you started, your family was supportive as much as they could be in that moment of, okay, you're starting something new. Uh, we support you. Yay. But as you've gone on, like not only does their support and their, you know, pride in what you're accomplishing grow, but then they also contribute. Do they not? Like I've noticed. Do. Like, I don't yeah. know that they think I work. It's kind of funny because they, now that they're home all the time, right? Because they don't homeschool them anymore, but now I do because of this uh, yeah. COVID thing. And they're like, what do you mean you have a thing? You know, well, can't you just help me with this? Like, no, I can't just help you with this. I have a Zoom call or I have training yeah. to do or I have coaching to do. And, uh, and I don't know that they see that as much as they used to. In the beginning, I mean, as a teacher, I was gone a lot. Right. A lot, a lot. And so um, I remember when I was running for a uh, directorship and I was doing the daycare during the day still. And yeah. then I'd, I would have supper really fast and then I would pack up and go do parties three or four nights a week. And I remember crying at the door saying, you know, Scott, I don't think I've seen my kids this week. And he's like, Carol, you didn't see your kids before. And that was for other people's children. And now you're doing it for them. Mm. And yeah. so that's kind of powerful for me. It's like they don't remember those times that I wasn't there to tuck them in at night, but they remember right. now. And right. I am, and as teenagers, I always thought teenagers would need less time, but they don't. They need yeah. you to be present more. They don't necessarily need your active time, but they yeah. don't want you to not be there because they have these weird questions that they just, that, yeah. well, you know, that just come out of their mouths. And you're like, all right, so I guess we're having a three hour discussion about this. And you have to be able to put it down and just do that. And now yeah. I can, obviously, but I am in the beginning when I was first hustling and first building a team. And I think there are periods in my life when you do have to run. And I think in any business, that's what you have to do. There's times that you're going to take advantage of the current momentum or um, a new product or something. And in those times, they've been really great about understanding that trajectory and things like that. However, I mean, there's lots of times that it hasn't been great. And <laughs> we have a top director trip that we do every September. And honestly, in May, I would tell you that about 50% of my top director friends are like, I am not bringing my husband. He's not helping. And I, and I emailed my, uh, the coordinator once and I was like, you can take Scott off that list. Because he is not going to Argentina. And she's like, cool, I'll, I'll talk to you in July. <laughs> well, yeah, after your end is uh, June, then the last yeah. year get a little uh, spicy, right? Like, I, uh, spicy. Post, I like that. Yeah, I know because you start posting, oh, we need, you know, 900 uh -huh. classes. We need, you know, and uh, I'm watching those numbers drop. But what's even more kind of impressive is when you do a call out to support someone either in your network or in your community. And it doesn't seem to matter which one, but it seems like your customers and your team are all over that sort of stuff. Hey, they, like they, they really are really supportive. So how many people would you say are under you as your team now? Oh, gosh. Um, something like 300, something like that. Um, it's all different. You know, yeah. it's not, we're direct sales, so we're a little bit different than network marketing. So really, we just have the one team. And then other directors have teams as well, but they're they're still part of my my overall. It's just that yeah. they're not directly in my team. Um, and then I have my customers, of course. So it's not like it's not some of the different companies are like now you're over here and then then you're in this thing. And we don't do that. We're just this. So so you still have to do your own direct sales. It's not just about the people underneath you. You're still out there selling your product directly to your customers and building your mm -hmm. customer base. 
Well, and I wouldn't want to not do that. First of all, I think the speed of the leader is the speed of the gang. So whether I, I don't really need the income from that. And a lot of times I just use that income to support my team or I can give discounts and deals and things like that. But I, I love working with my customers because first of all, they do become consultants, a lot of them. And, uh, and second of all, that my, I really want my team to see that I am out there doing right. the same work that they're doing so that I am authentic so that I can say, well, I'm doing this and you can do this too. And I, I act as a model for that. Right. Okay. And what happens like, so you're growing people and you're, you're kind of helping them build their own teams as well. Right. So at some yeah. point do you all get together and be like, this is great. Or do you just kind of have like a core group that you kind of work with and it filters down from there? No, I, Mary Kay is really weird. I can't speak to all direct sales, but um, a lot of people in other companies will say, well, I can't go to my upline or I can't go across or I can't, we don't do yeah. that. Um, we just share all of our ideas. Uh, we have um, the goal give spirit is the number one most recognized thing in Mary Kay actually is, is okay. the number one best award you can win is the go give award. Um, because that means that we're really following the golden rule and really helping each other. So we don't compete. Um, we share every idea. You can go to anybody and ask them for training and advice. So we do get together a lot, like uh, in a normal situation, not in a COVID situation, but in a normal situation, I meet with my team and their teams on Monday nights and uh, we train, we might move customers, we might do fun things and games and things like that. Um, and then I do a lot of virtual stuff yeah. as well. And now more of course than ever. Yeah. And, and how does how does your, the people above you, your team leader, how do they support you now that you're kind of you've had a lot of this success? But I mean, you're always learning how like who are you learning from and how are you doing that? Well, we have something um, like I'm a sales director and then we have the the upper echelon of uh, directorship or of anything. And then there's, of course, levels above that is national sales directors. So I have a national um, and I also have corporate so I can call them at any time. I probably talk to my national once or twice a week. Um, just And really, she provides me with more emotional support than anything else, right? You have this phrase, I'll just be like, tell me I'm pretty, which means tell me right now I'm about to have a breakdown, um, especially when we're talking about big goals or things like that. Um, yeah. And then I, and then I have corporate that I can talk to at any time. They're so great. Uh, we have a very small head office here in Canada, so it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I also have a large network of top directors that mm -hmm. I go on trips with every year that are in the States that um, think the same way and that we, we have a group meeting um, on Voxer a lot. We, we chat, we share training, we share things nice. together. So, I mean, I'm never alone. That's one of the perks of direct sales is yeah. that you're in business for yourself, but you're never by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always somebody to learn from, whether if when my national retires, then um, I'll have other nationals I can go to as well. And I have corporate as well. Interesting. So what are you, what are your goals with this? Like, are you, are you kind of building out horizontally or are you kind of looking ahead to like a national? Yeah, that's my goal is to become a national sales director. Oh, you froze. Are you there? Am I frozen? I might be the freezer. Jennifer. She froze. There you are. Okay. I was like, sometimes the, audio, sometimes the audio will keep going even when the video doesn't. But yeah, anyway. So um, so what? how do you goal set? And what are some of your big goals that you're looking Can you move up to national sales yeah. director? Yeah. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah, I can move up to national. So um, a national sales director is just somebody who has 25 or more um, sales directors on their okay. team. So, um, and so basically what we're doing is just building teams of teams. So that's the, mm. that's the goal. And, cool. and really, I mean, I think we think that Mary Kay millionaires are only national sales directors, but actually there are a lot of Mary Kay millionaires in the directorship level that don't ascend to that. Um, so there's different, there's different levels, like there's different cars that you can earn. So the Cadillac's the top car. Yeah. And then, um, and then there's different, uh, like the top director trip is, right that level. And so for me, I'm in that top director, top 10 in Canada sort of state. And, and the goal is to build more women who want to have teams like me. So really, yeah. 
that's the plan, Stan. We'll see. <laughs> and and so when you when you put that out there and you're starting to build towards that, like like how do you put a timeline on that, or do you like? do you communicate that with your team? Like what, are, what kind of do you go through? Like, I'm, I'm trying to draw parallels between kind of how we, you know, people yeah. in business models kind of set those goals too. So, but a lot of time business owners want to keep that stuff secret, right? Like they don't want to mm -hmm. talk about, Oh, I want to be a millionaire or I want to, yeah. want to, you know, our business, you know, wants to hit this much in sales. Here's how much we're doing now because they're, they're scared that the, like the employees are going to know too much or they're going to judge them or, or what have you. But like what, what do you guys do? Um, I think it's a little different for us because our goal is to have everyone earning this amount of money and in direct sales, anybody can pass anybody. You don't have to kill off your upline in order to surpass them. Um, I know that I've passed my uh, direct uplines, both of them. And, and so I know that it's possible to do that. And so then right. I think the goal for us is to, is to show the success because that inspires people to ascend to that level, whether they're on your team or not. Um, I think the misconception is, is that we're just trying to dupe people hmm. into joining us or anything else. But a lot of times I'm out there so that I can inspire people in other direct sales companies. I inspire people on other teams as well so that they can see the obstacles and challenges that we've overcome to hmm. get here as well. So we have the same thing as most businesses where we would have a monthly goal. And yep. then quarterly goals. And a lot of times those are designed around sales and around uh, quantifiable things, okay. right? And then you have your your um, your yearly goals. So for us, our, our year is uh, July 1st to June 30th. Um, right. And the only reason for that is because Mary Kay Ash was terrifically poor when she started her business with $5,000. And the first seminar she wanted to have was so expensive in Dallas that she thought in July, it's really cheap because it was so hot. So she, she booked her first seminar in July and served Jello salad, which was a really poor choice without air conditioning. But um, and so it just became that it became that that year end celebration of what we do. So a lot of people say, well, you must sell more in June because it's summer. It's not because it's summer. It's because mm -hmm. it's the end of our goal. Um, right. We have things where our consultants have their own goals as well. So we're working on their goals, which, of course, support our goals and then that supports the national sales director goal or the director above you or whatever yeah. and theirs. So okay. it's uh, yeah, I mean with national though, it's, that's a different thing because that's talking about building leaders yeah. and that's something that's, it's difficult because it's not something I can just call on my customers to help me with. It's not something that is um, in my control as much sadly as I would like it to be because these are people that have to decide on their own if they're going to, um, run or build or anything else. And if they want to quit, they quit. And yeah. Then, yeah. Well, and as you saw, like you might not know right from the beginning that that person has that capability. Cause like mm -hmm. when you started, you weren't thinking about even that you were just doing this as a short-term thing and then it changed for you. So you can't even look at it from the very beginning and just know, no, you know, because I have recruited people who look like they were cut out of the Mary Kay catalog. Like this is the exact person and they've done nothing. And then I've recruited people who look like you're, you're going to sell makeup. Okay. And they've run all the way to the top. So there is no marker for success. The one thing I'd look for is kindness and a willingness to learn. Yeah. Those are my two. Um, if somebody's not kind, I really don't want them on my team. I, the, the world's so full of mean people. I don't need more of them. Exactly. Yeah. So do you think like take Mary Kay out of it? Do you think that you could equally be successful in many other direct sales companies or um, take the skills that you've learned and either, you know, start a business from scratch or um, or work in a company with some of the same attributes like that, that you that you enjoy doing? Do you think that these are transferable? Uh, to I, do. I think like if Mary Kay Knockwood were to go under tomorrow then yeah. yeah, I would do something very similar. Either yeah. that or I would turn around and coach people in businesses right. like this, right? Like, so I would either that or take the skills that I've learned to transfer to that. But um, yeah, honestly, uh, and really, what are we learning here? We're not really learning. I People always think we teach mostly about makeup and skincare products, but the tools that are given to us are so easy that you don't have to know everything in order to be able to sell things. Like we have apps and guides right. and stuff like that. It's, it's about knowing about people, hmm. how to relate to them, how to understand them, how to empathize, yeah. all of that. And for us, we are less about the one-time sale. 
Okay. We're building trust in a small sale that leads to a bigger sale that leads to a bigger sale that leads to a bigger sale. I mean, most people, um, it's like a lip gloss effect, right? I, I can trust her for $20. And then cool, she delivered that on time. It was the right color for me. I liked it. Okay, then maybe I would trust her with my friends or I would trust her with that. And so um, it becomes where our main focus is building a relationship with our customers and with our team. So what percentage of your of your customers that you sell to do you think are repeat customers versus new customers? You must. Um, oh, gosh, uh, my retail, my reorder business is very, very high. Uh, mm -hmm. I have really great customer retention. I'd say about 80 percent of my uh, orders per month are in reorders and then 20% yeah. uh, is new. I see a lot of new faces on a regular basis. So we talk about it like that in Mary Kay um, that we normally in non-COVID times, um, we're sitting at the kitchen table with somebody and teaching them how to do their makeup or how to do their skincare and, and really forming a relationship with them one-on-one -on -one or in a very small group. We don't do the big parties, you know, the big like, this is this and now pass it around. Like we don't do that. <laughs> So our thing is really like the starter kit comes with four mirrors because that's the goal. Like it's hard to teach contouring to a group of 20 people. It's just, mm -hmm. or yeah. a smoky eye party in the dark in the basement with like 60 year old women who all decide to go smoke weed during the break. <laughs> that sounds uh, fun. Uh -huh. That's when I learned to uh, A, take lights with me and B, not try to teach uh, smoky eyes to women who are inebriated. So um, <laughs> I'm still late times for that. But um, I think our customers are just they're repeat customers because they just they they don't have to do anything. They just have to message me on Facebook and be like, "Hey, I need more of that stuff with the thing that I like." Yeah. And we have it. We have it all on their profile. We know exactly what they want. We have a 100% return policy, so it's super easy. And we do sell a really high quality product for a really low price. And so people like that because we don't have the overhead that a lot of companies do. Right. And I mean, how much of it is changing behavior in that? Like so many people are used to, oh, I, I need something. I'm just going to go buy it versus yeah. I need something. I'm going to contact my salesperson and have it sent or get ready for pickup or, or mail, like, you know, that sort of thing. Like I find maybe I'm just so, I don't know if I'm the word is lazy or not prepared, but I'm like, Oh, I'm out of this. Now I got to go get it. I just want to go and buy it. How do you switch people from that mentality to um, this way of, of purchasing? Um, I think uh, most of our Mary Kay people carry inventory of the things people run out of. Okay. They're always like, they get, I mean, I'm the same way. I get to yeah. the last word of my foundation and go, oh no. And like, <laughs> I have more downstairs, you know what I mean? But um, I don't keep everything in stock. I definitely don't have a large inventory and inventory is a personal choice. I mean, my friend has enough that she could run a whole store out of her house. And like during normal times, people stop by and I would rather be punched in the face repeatedly by Andre the Giant than have people stop by. Um, right. Stop by. I'm going to look homeless. Do not come by my house just randomly. Um, but I can drop those things off the very next day. And then with new customers, because they never tried it before, they're not, you know, they don't need everything right that second. They're they're willing to wait for it and have that that sense of excitement for something that's coming, right? So um, things like mascara, eye makeup remover, foundation, stuff that people run out of really quickly. We have that. And then we have a big team. So if somebody's like, oh gosh, I'm on the last squirt and I don't have any, we have lots of people who can help because right. that's what we do. We just help each other. Oh, that's good. So looking forward, what's uh, like, is this going to be something you do forever, do you think? Or yeah. are you thinking about maybe moving into just teaching people how to be successful with this? Or is, do you love the makeup part and the skincare part so much that you will, you see yourself doing this 10 years from now? You know, it's funny because I think people think that they should be passionate about makeup and skincare in order to do a business like this. I can't say I was, I was a customer for a very long time. Like I, I started buying Mary Kay when I was pregnant with Case and I signed up when he was five. So um, definitely a long time, but I, it's not about the product because the product changes. It's for me, it's the um, it's the company uh, philosophy. It's the fact that we're still family owned. We still are debt free. Um, we're run by the Mary Cash's original family. And so to me, that's really important. I love the support that I'm getting from this company. So I can't, unless it were to go under, honestly, Jen, I'm not leaving. I, yeah. I really do love what I do. I love my sisters in Mary Kay. I love my friends. And, um, and it, I, I always say like, it's not about where we go for the top director trip. Cause I would do a warehouse in Regina to be oh. with these same people. And so then for me, it's, 
it's just this, it's the personal development. It's the, um, it's the, the work towards a goal, but it's that you matter whether you're hitting a goal or not. The way that they treat everyone is really, um, fundamental for me. So the only way I would do something else is if Mary Kay went under, but I, I honestly know that there's so much opportunity for growth within this. And yeah. even if I don't grow that because people are so different every day, it's not yeah. really about the product. It's about working with my team and seeing how I can best relate to people and how to, to coach them and train them in the right way. So if someone right now is considering going into direct sales of some sort, let's say mm -hmm. you know, anything. Similar, yeah. anything, what would be like a couple pieces of advice you would give them? Um, I'd be looking, first of all, if you're choosing the company, um, look for profit margins, look for re, re, a consumable product uh, because that's going to get you reorders for sure. Right. Um, and then uh, look for um, the way that the training is done, the way that the uplines are are and everything else. But then uh, I think one of the main things that people do is that they just say, well, I'll just do this casually and I'll just sell to my friends and family. Mm -hmm. And then they become um, those direct sale ADD people. Like all of a sudden now they're selling candles and then they're selling bowls and then they're selling jewelry and all they're doing is friend farming mm -hmm. because then they're only selling to the same group. Now they just have a new product. Right. And so for me, I would say, get out of your friends and family as quickly as possible. Learn as much as you can, as fast as possible. Yeah. And, uh, and just go and, and be okay with failing because right. it's, that's the most important thing is um, don't invest a ton of money. Don't yeah. invest a ton of money. You don't need to. Yeah. Uh, I'm living proof that you don't need to. And I have run my business debt free since I started. Um, so it's definitely, it's not about investing. It's about investing your time and investing your energy and investing the way that you look at it as you first start. We have two kinds of people who join and some of them are really successful right away because they have a large network and some aren't and both of them can fail. Right. And that's the mm -hmm. thing that I think people don't get. So how do you set yourself apart when you're all selling the same product though to like a retail customer? How, like, do you guys, do you just, it is really just about booking those appointments, referrals, yeah. that sort of thing. It's not about like, I'm the mascara specialist or no, anything like that. Need each other. Mm. So then, I mean, but, I have to set myself apart from another company probably. Um, but like how you get out and get past your personal network is you have to get in front of people you don't know. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if all you do is show up with the brand, they're like, oh God, I know that. Like right. I, I have someone or I've seen that before. But like if you're trying to distinguish yourself, is it worth spending some time trying to like find a way to distinguish yourself? Or is it better to just build it one appointment at a time, referral from here, referral from there, and just follow up like a madman? Both. Okay. I think as you build those customers, then you're also building your brand. Right. And then you you sort of figure out your niche market. You sort of figure out your niche demographic and you sort of figure out why people keep coming back to you. And then right. that becomes your, you know, we do a lot of work in our team with Brené Brown with talking about your values and your leadership style and and uh, and in your personal brand. And I think that's so super important because people don't come to me because I sell Mary Kay. Right. So why do they come to you? Product. They come to me because I know stuff and because I'm going to be like, don't know, take that off. <laughs> or right. not. Like that's bad. <laughs> stop it. You know, I'm the kind of person that will stop the party and be like, ah, you look like Donald Trump. We're going to change the foundation um, <laughs> because that that is the that's my brand. I'm authentic. I am the person who will tell you whether you can afford that or not. Um, I will. I won't push you into something that you can't don't want to buy or that is going to be bad for you. Um, I, I am that person. I'm not um, known for a lot of other stuff, but it's okay because I don't have to compete with my other Mary Kay people. We right. sort of have this thing in, in our business where your customer is your customer. Right. They're allowed to switch if they really want to, but unless you quit, they really don't. Yeah. Well, and it's your job to keep them, right? Like it's yeah. not, it's, you can't get mad if they get stolen because no. obviously you weren't communicating with them. So any pieces of advice for the person that has jumped into a direct sales uh, model and is struggling and is, is just really finding it hard to get a footing and get some momentum going. Any, any advice for someone like that, that's kind of feeling down about their decision or is kind of thinking about maybe putting it on the back burner? Um, I would say work on your charisma. 
work on your ability to relate to people. Um, and that doesn't have to be an extroverted way. That can be in an introverted way. Um, work on the reason why people are attracted to you. Uh, one of the things that I did in the beginning was in the first 100 customers that I had worked with individually, I sent them a survey monkey. Uh-huh with hard questions that I didn't necessarily want the answers to, but they taught me a lot. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for the sale. A lot of us are way too timid. Okay. Well, don't like timidity. They don't like that. It comes off as weird and awkward. And yeah. instead of, I don't mean be crazy and super bold and super aggressive, but you can be assertive and still ask for the sale. And it's okay if people know you're making money from them. Yeah. Because they're spending their money somewhere else. Yeah. And women Absolutely. like to buy stuff. So whatever. And, and people do tend to like to buy things from people that they like and that they mm -hmm. trust, right? Like they prefer a lot of times, I think, to buy local. I think we're seeing that right now, right? With yeah. a big push for buy local. We talk about it all the time when I interview people. What my hope is, is that it, it not only does it extend beyond this time period where we're feeling this crunch, but I would like people to extend their mindset of what they think of being local. Yeah, so, I think people want to see people be successful. Yeah. But there might be like a holdback on people when they work for companies like Mary Kay or they have a franchise or um, a license or something because those are considered not local, but yet, you know, those people live in your community, they mm -hmm. employ people in your community, they're spending their money in your community. So not considering them like to be local. And, you know, I've, you know, we've done a few direct sales things over the years, but what I, I've always admired is people who are successful or people that work hard. And I feel like that lesson is the same, no matter what style of business yeah. you to have. But what I really don't like is when people discount the direct sales business, um, because it is hard work and it is what I would consider a local business. So it's no different than if you decided to start buying makeup from a wholesaler and yeah. set up a makeup store. It's just mm -hmm. you've chosen not to have a storefront and you've chosen to sell your mod your business in a different way. Um, and, and I guess like just that stigma that's associated with it is something that I, I wish wasn't there. And so my hope is if people watch this and they watch it all the way through is that they consider that these businesses are hard work. Yeah. Like you have a quota of calls you're making, you're following up with customers, just like every other business you're having to invoice, collect, ship, deliver, right? Like these are all things that every business has to go through, right? Right. And like the best thing about direct sales is that anyone can do it. And the worst thing about direct sales is anyone can do it. And so there will be bad people that do this. There yeah. will be people who dupe their teams into stuff and, and who, um, and who create poor business models that um, are direct sales businesses we've seen that have failed. Um, yeah. There will be companies like that, that, or people who dabble or people who just friend farm and that creates a bad name that creates that stigma. But bottom line, self-discipline, will set you apart beyond anything else. I mean, you can work your own hours, but you actually have to work a few hours yeah. in order to, to be successful. And it's funny because people will say that to me, like, well, I don't know. I didn't, you said I could earn a car in a year. And I'm like, well, you can, cause I did. And they're going, no, well, I didn't. Here's my customers. And then they had me seven customers. Like, did you think seven customers were going to, Mary Kay was gonna be like, sure, here's a car for free for two years. <laughs> Like, no, I mean, it is a lot of customers, but it is the same customers. A lot of times it's not what you think it is. It's not us running out with trench coats and lip glosses and like attacking people the street and, you know, yeah. do you want to buy glass? Like, but people like to support people they know, like you said, and they do like to see people achieve goals. They do like that we have that kind of model where they can earn prizes, earn things. And, and that creates a level of discipline as they grow and learn. Yeah. They would have a small goal, but um, the one thing I love the most about this model is that um, the biggest way to improve your self-esteem is by doing something you didn't think you could do. Yes. And I love women learning that about themselves, whether yeah. they make money or not. Yeah, that's true. Have you found it that COVID has affected things for you guys? Like, has it affected your sales? Has it affected your ability to connect as as teams because you're you're limited to not being able to go face to face? What have I been? That, yeah, but it's not. Um, and our sales are up. Uh, oh. Mary Kay Canada sales are up. Recruiting was up forty percent last month over last April, um, and we our sales were up five percent over last April. So we definitely. Yeah, that part doesn't really change, even though women, like there's a lot of people without jobs right now, there's a lot of people financially struggling, but 
Yeah. They still want skincare and makeup. So that definitely, we, we have a recession-proof industry um, and that has been proven over time, right? I, I mean, it's what, alcohol, tobacco, pornography, and makeup. It's so weird. So uh, I don't know why, but I think it's just that like during the recession, they call it the lipstick effect, but it's that that concept that a woman can at least feel good about herself in one way um, or have some sense of control over something and it's a cheap yeah. purchase. So there are people who, um, I've had a lot of new customers these last bits because there aren't other companies that can, I mean, I think other makeup companies are like four weeks to ship right now. So um, our company is really uh, managed to roll with the punches. They started making sanitizer in Dallas so that they could be considered to be essential. And they're donating that to all of the different companies around that uh, need it. And so then that has um, allowed it. So the only time they panicked was when it was like, uh oh, is that going to be considered an essential business? Because yeah. that was the fear. Yeah. Well, and because you do so much mail, like shipping and, and delivery, like really, like you can, you can still operate a business as long as you're not face to face. I think that part of the messaging was confusing about that, because I feel like some businesses didn't have to close completely, they could yeah. have been operating online or, you know, through a delivery method. But when it comes out, and it says you're not essential, shut down, right? Like, mm -hmm. I heard in California, there were some people like packing up their businesses, like the stock so they could put it in their garage so they could be shipping things. Yeah, you know, while they were closed, because they were physically not allowed to leave their house and go to their business, which is a little different than what we all have been going through here. Yeah, it's a transition for me too, because I like to see people face to face and to be that person that goes to their house and goes, okay, like, I'm going to actually show you how to do your makeup, not try to do it virtually like that's a little bit more difficult i mean thank god that we do have the the technology that supports those things but it's not quite the same um yeah. i do miss my team i miss getting together with them and then our seminar celebration we have to do that virtually so that's a little tough too so is your your trip in september been affected yet or not yet but i would assume it will be yeah, yeah. um they haven't given us any actual updates but yeah. yeah i know they'll do good things for us i just don't know what they're planning yet yeah, everybody's going to be but yeah, like it'll yeah. I mean, unless we have some sort of miracle. And where where was the trip this year? Scotland. Oh, good. I know. We're supposed to stay in a castle in Edinburgh, so it's like really, um, yeah. Yeah, those things are crazy. You've gone on some really amazing adventures, yeah. hey? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like they do huge things for us. Like they shut down the Vatican for us. We had a private tour and I got to lay on the floor of the Sistine Chapel by myself. That's that, crazy. You, you can't do that. I mean, we got private gondola rides and we got uh, in Venice and um, uh, in London, we were in Abbey Road Studios and recorded a song and my mm -hmm. husband played on John Lennon's piano. Like oh. things like that, that we, that the normal general public can't do. Uh, we took tango classes in Argentina. Um, it's really cool. And yeah. it's a neat way to celebrate people. So we have diamond rings for salespeople up until a certain point and, uh, and diamond pins and all of those things. Mary Kay always wanted Cinderella prizes because she was in a man focused business. Direct sales was all about men a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so she won a fishing helmet once for being top sales. So she wanted us to have girly prizes or things that at least were uh, something where they didn't have to leave their family hmm. in order yeah. to go on a trip that would end up costing them money. So the reason why we have it as the top directors is so that they can do this crazy huge amount of stuff for us. It's really, I mean, and we're talking about women who are six figure income earners and there's at least 10 in Canada that go and about 50 or 60 in the United States. So there's a lot of people who do this very successfully. Right on. Well, that's amazing. And I thank you so much for being open about sharing your story and how you got here. I think that uh, a lot of people, like I said, can find inspiration there. They can find like, oh, that I, I've had that happen or I've been there. And, and it's I think it's an interesting perspective to have on what you're doing now and then what people might see that they could do with mm -hmm. themselves in the future, right? Yeah, I think it's the same as any other business. You just get started, you learn as much as you can and you don't quit. Awesome. Well, thank you, Carol, so much for your time today. And uh, we'll hopefully see you again soon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of B2B Obsessed. We hope you enjoyed what you're listening to. And if so, please subscribe to this podcast channel to get notified every time we upload a new episode. Or if you'd like to watch some video, we have a channel on YouTube and we're constantly posting interviews there as well. 
One last thing, if you'd like to connect with other small business owners, go to Facebook and search Alberta Small Business Success and join our private Facebook group. That's where the action's happening. 